This is Laura Deirda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Stefan Kreutzer, owner and founder of Innovate Orthopedics in Houston. Dr. Kreutzer, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, your practice? Yeah, so I'm an orthopedic surgeon in Houston, and I perform approximately 1,000 total joints a year, really a strong focus on hip and knee replacement and revision surgery. Um, been in private practice for a while, and then uh, for a, about four years, I was part of an employed model here at UT Physicians in Houston. And during that time, just kind of was concerned of where healthcare was going, did a lot of reading about healthcare economics. Uh, a lot of my colleagues were starting to move surgeries from the hospital to the ASC, and so I felt um, the need to sort of rekindle my my belief in, in healthcare and, and left the employed model and started Innovate. And really the focus was to, uh, to figure out a way on how to partner with the stakeholders to move surgical cases out of the hospital into the ASC, um, total joints, revisions, and spines, and things like that. And the main focus is to reduce healthcare costs um, and maintain great quality, maybe even uh, exceed quality because we can control all aspects of care. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to talk with you more in depth about some of the topics that you just brought up as well. My first question is, what are your top three priorities for 2021? I know this past year was a crazy year in many respects. And so I'm wondering when you're looking ahead, what are the top things that you're looking forward to? Yeah, indeed, it was a crazy year. Um, it, it was. We survived fine and, and we had a lot of good moments um, despite the uh, the pandemic. But really the focus on 2021 for us is to further figure out strategies and model, models that can support the, the independent physician. I think the trend towards employment in this country is, is, is dangerous. And from a health economic standpoint, it certainly increases healthcare costs. And the reason why physicians go into, into uh, the employed model is because it's so challenging to maintain independence uh, because the independent physician just doesn't have any leverage. So we really want to focus on, on strategies and model, models to either create groups or create certain uh, ways where we can have the benefit of being employed but really maintain private practice. Um, the second focus is the model that we've actually created at Innovate has been very successful, and we have developed some of these relationships and, and, and gotten ahead of it, and, but we're really not relevant unless we grow. So the main focus in 2021 in that area is to grow. We want to grow Innovate where we are here in Houston, maybe add two or three sites in this Houston market, and hopefully also go outside of the state of Texas, outside of Houston, to take the platform that we've developed and that we've put together uh, to grow. And then the last thing, uh, which I think is very critical, is to the, to the thought of alignment of incentives is in the value-based world. Um, we want to be rewarded for doing good, and we want to be rewarded for reducing healthcare costs. And so in a value-based world where you partner with payers, whether it's a day of surgery bundle, whether it's a 90-day prospective bundle, even when it's a retrospective bundle, um, that really incentivizes you to think of where you send that patient for their care because a reduction in cost may benefit you financially, but a complication 
may hurt you financially. So you have to weigh the benefits and risks of of thinking that way. And you know, we always say the most expensive tool in healthcare is the physician's pen. And if we can uh, incentivize physicians to think about what they sign and where they send their patients, I think we can significantly reduce healthcare costs. Got it. That makes sense. And it's really interesting to think about. I have two quick follow-up questions here. And, and first being, you know, in looking at your growth and adding sites, particularly initially in the Houston area, are you also aiming to add physicians or is it more about being able to have locations um, that you would, you know, be working with your, your current group in um, making sure they're populated and just being closer to different um, communities around the Houston area? Yeah, so we, we want to add physicians. We want to add specialties. Right now, we have a strong focus on sports and total joints. We want to add spine. We want to add pain, pain management. Uh, we have an extremely successful PT program. We want to expand in that area as well um, and, and add value to the community in Houston. Now, a lot of patients will be willing to travel you know, across town to see a physician for whom they need a surgery. But for physical therapy, they may not be willing to travel across town. So to have uh, outside clinics and sites where they can, where we can further maintain that quality that we feel that we we have obtained, I think will be very helpful for the community and and for for Houston as a whole. Got it. That makes sense. And then, secondly, I'm looking at you know the aligned incentives and really the value-based payments and some of the bundle payment um, opportunities that have been coming along. Is that something that you're seeing from payers, or is it more something that you know you're driving for potential larger employers or, or others in the market that you know would be interested in really thinking about the value and some of the the, the costs associated with care? Yeah. The- what we currently have achieved is with payers. Some payers are very interested in that. Other payers are not, which is which is quite interesting. You would think that all the payers would be sort of on the same page and say, look, we need to reduce healthcare costs. But the, again, the market forces in healthcare are so different than the market forces in any other business because the end user doesn't pay for the care. They only pay for the copay and the coinsurance. And so they're really not incentivized to reduce costs. Um, you know, some insurance have a large book of business of self-insured business, and so they have different needs financially than, let's say, Blue Cross Blue Shield that has a lot of self um, uh, you know, people from the uh, Obama marketplace. And so each payer has sort of the different strategy. We've had great luck with Aetna and Blue Cross Blue Shield of, of entering value-based contracts. Had a little bit less luck with some of the other payers, but we keep focusing. We keep uh, trying to develop relationships because you need that one person that seems to think that this is a good thing and, and then and then takes the ball and run with it. The next step, of course, is just what you brought up uh, very astutely, is to go directly to the payer uh, because they they really don't know what they're paying, especially if they're self-insured. They have a very poor understanding what their cost is. And so if we can create some relationships with some of the big uh, companies, I think that would even further reduce the healthcare cost uh, for these particular people, especially now after the pandemic, everybody's looking at reducing cost. So I think we're, we're in a good uh, place to have those conversations uh, with these companies. Got it. That makes sense. Fantastic. Well, I'm wondering next, you know, how do you see the ASC industry changing over the next three years? Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I, I thought about that a lot because it's difficult to answer. I think there are the challenges with with the current ASC model with physician ownership is that there's not a really good 
partnership to support the private practice physician. Um, and so I really hope, hope that in the future the ASC will be part of this movement towards supporting the private practice physician because that's what needs to happen. And it's in the ASC's best interest because if you're employed, you can't have ownership in ASC. So you really need to support the private practice. Um, I don't know if that's what's going to happen in the ASC model. I think ASCs are going to continue to do what they're doing and it's to you know try to build ASCs and buy defunct ASCs and try to turn them around and things like that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to the out-of-network model. We've been saying for 10 years that that's going to go away, but it seems to not be going away, which we are vehemently opposed to the out-of-network model. Um, but it's it's going to be very interesting to see. Now, one thing I'm sure is that the that the people that have the partnership with the physicians that are willing to move surgical-based care, such as total joints and spine, to the ASC will financially be very very strong, but it requires a physician partnership. It requires a physician leadership because ultimately they are the person that has the patient that is focused on quality uh, to achieve these these migrations of these cases because, after all, we do take the Hippocratic Oath and say, first, do no harm. So if we do a total joint in, a, in an ASC and the patient has a bad outcome, uh, that really doesn't help anybody. Absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. And my final question here is, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? Um, what I'm most excited about is well, to grow what we have been able to do at Innovate. Um, we have now currently done 700 total joints in a year and a half. We've had zero infections. We have two robotic platforms, which no other a hospital institution even has in the Houston market. We've really focused on uh, on driving patient quality. Um, we have an average length of stay of six hours, and we've only had to uh, only four patients have had to spend the night. So we're, I'm really excited about expanding that that uh, platform and growing that platform uh, in the future. And really driving robotics uh, in this in this era. What I'm most concerned about is the continuation of the marginalization of physicians by big corporation. Uh, you know, we when we call an insurance company, we want to try to find a partnership. We don't get a phone call back. So, you know, after all, we are the the person that sees the patient. We are the the person that sees the patient in clinic and 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 has the uh, and and are involved in the care of the patient, but we continue to get marginalized by big corporations, whether that's the uh, big insurance companies that um, we're just a necessary uh, you know partner and and it's all about rates and not about how to pay us adequately, whether it's the large hospital systems that try to drown us out in private practice and, and make it so difficult that, that we have to become an employed model. And with the, uh, you know, the, the enormous amount of spend from the government with these packages, which I'm neither for or against, I think there has to be things done, but I'm a little worried that the payback is going to have to come from somewhere. And is it going to come from Medicare, which then impacts all of our rates and, and further uh, reduces our reimbursement in private practice, where we are then forced into into employment. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think all of those things that you mentioned in terms of 
you know, how um, some of the, the big companies, insurance companies, especially marginalizing physicians and some of the opportunities, you know, um, that you may not have because you're not as much part of a larger organization or corporation and health system are really interesting. And then just to think about the economics of healthcare and, and where that fits into the overall uh, budget for the U.S. is just really interesting to think about and will definitely be things that we'll have to keep an eye on for the future. I very much agree. I mean, it's, you know, we spend 18% of GDP on healthcare and the second highest country is Switzerland at 11% of GDP. So that delta is an enormous amount of money and it's just not sustainable. And, and unless we've figured out how to break down these barriers and everybody's trying to protect their silos and we work in these silos, um, we're going to continue to increase healthcare costs. Um, and it's just, we have to, because it's unsustainable. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Kreuzer, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.